Hey y'all, I'm here to interrupt your regularly scheduled Black Executive programming for a very special shout out for someone who has left a review. Shout out to Cupcake No Frosting who left a review saying, I listened to episode six and it was so inspirational and I love the guests. I have not been informed on Black creators with disabilities, so this was refreshing as well as informative. I loved it. So that is actually referring to episode six from uh, Girls Chronically Rock. If you haven't heard that episode, make sure you go back and listen after you hear our current episode. If you want to have your review read, I will now make this a regular part of the show. When I get reviews, I will shout you out and we will carry that practice over into season two. Make sure you leave your girl a review. I made an executive decision in my mind to pursue things that my family did not pursue because I wanted to one add that value back to my family. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. nobody's going to, we keep flipping the channel. We keep going past this, this one channel where this stuff is running across the screen at the bottom. Nobody mm-hmm. stops and look at that channel, CNBC. And I'm like, what is this? I literally one day I remember sitting in the house. I went to the channel and I sat there and I'm like, what in the hell is this going on? I didn't know nothing about <laughs> stocks. I made myself learn. And as I started to get more educated and aware about it, um, I literally just started opening up myself to more, you know, influences and leaders. Welcome to Black Executive Podcast, where we share inspiration and actionable advice for Black creatives going pro. I'm your host, Jazz. With each episode, we'll chat with Black creatives thriving in entrepreneurship, corporate careers, and the nonprofit sector, all while building a network of Black creatives, six head nods apart. Enjoy the show, where the dreamers become doers and the aspiring become inspired. Let's get started. What's up, Black Executive fam? I'm your host, Jazz, and today we're chatting with Antoine Davis. Antoine is a serial entrepreneur and managing partner at Fourth Park, Fourth and Av, Spendify, and Cloudberry. Welcome to the show, Antoine. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for agreeing to come on the show and chat with me today. I think that you are going to really bring a unique perspective to the show that we quite we really haven't had yet because not only are you a creative, but you are also in a lot of the business side, which a lot of times we don't um, have that perspective. And so you're just in businesses and other sectors outside of solely focusing on your creative work. So can you talk to us a little bit about you being a serial entrepreneur and your journey into that? Yeah, so I um, I am originally from Albany, Georgia. So I was born here in, in uh, the state of Georgia. And have I've always had, like you said, like a creative knack, whether it was um, making music, um, dancing. I, I live sort of like the, the ATL movie lifestyle where I was <laughs> yeah, every Saturday I had a team of guys. We battled people at the skating rink every Saturday. So Dope. creatively graduated high school as most talented in my senior year. So wow. I actually thought I was going to come go to college and pursue like sound engineering and music, but I made mm-hmm. a major pivot once I got up here at Georgia State and ended up pursuing marketing, and I fell in love with marketing. And mm-hmm. on that journey um, was where I sort of started my first internet business at the time, which was a, a basically a digital design firm, you know, doing it out of my college dorm, juggling classes, um, mm-hmm. exams, a girlfriend, and clients all at one time. And so wow. that started my whole process of like studying business, learning business, um, 
first serving clients. I learned a lot about different industries by the clients that we had a chance to service. And over time, I grew Fourth Park out to a team um, of like designers, project manager, developers. Um, we still service clients today. And on that journey was where some of the other businesses that I have now were started. Cloudberry is more like a web services company. We offer web hosting, domain names, like the same mm-hmm. kind of suite of services you get with any kind of web provider. We offer those services too. And that was mainly mm-hmm. because I had a ton of clients who were asking me like, where should I buy my domain? And I kept sending them somewhere else. And I was like, well, why not? I just build the infrastructure and we just yes. our own clients. And so we've been doing that now for a couple of years. And that's been good because that's passive income. Because once people's hosting gets set up and the domain and everything is set up, usually people don't have a lot of issues technically with their sites. Um, and then along the way from there, I uh, started uh, uh, this tech company, Spendify, uh, with a former mm-hmm. business partner of mine. Um, this was back in 2015. And we ended up kind of connecting on this whole idea of wanting to reconnect the consumer to the many black businesses in their city. And at the time there was really no central hub or tool or site that people use. Like there was no website people went to to find black businesses. And there was no way online where you could really search for black businesses. Cause even like Google mm. doesn't index by ethnicity. So you can't mm-hmm. really search by race um, even in Google. So we built Spendify, launched it, got a lot of momentum, ended up getting on, you know, CNN and, you know, we got covered in various magazines and different blogs. And that was for the first time for me, I got like a little bit of attention or fame or whatever, not the yeah. pursuit, but um, I saw immediately how like you could take an idea, develop it and launch it. And when it really starts to serve a need, like people do pay attention. Um, mm. So that journey led into uh, my fourth business that um, I started about two, two and a half years ago, going on three years ago, um, which is Fourth and Ave. We're, it's a real estate company. We're a real estate solutions company and investment group. And we invest in properties, basically converting them into co-living spaces. So our whole focus with mm-hmm. that is um, just how do we take spaces and turn them into shared spaces where people can co-live and, and work together and, and whatnot. So we focus on college students and sort of like corporate housing for traveling nurses and professionals. So that's sort of where I'm at now, but I'm, I'm managing all of the above. And and the undertone of all of that is knowing that as a black man in society, it's important for me to not just talk this talk, but walk it. And I know ownership is yes. key. I know that assets are important. I understand the importance of wealth, the lack of black wealth due to our mm-hmm. oppressor over the years. I've kind of taken it as an honor to use my privilege in this country to run as fast as I can, learn as much as I can, build as many things as I can and create jobs and opportunity and teach as many people as I can. Like, I want to be so like a Peter Pan, if you will, in business all <laughs> yeah. the time. So, yeah. Okay, you talked, you just like said so many keywords. I was trying to jot them down <laughs> as you went on. So um, one thing that stood out to me is that you said you when you were able to fill a need and you kind of saw how that took off. Can you talk a bit about need finding in business? Because you have several. So clearly, you know a bit about that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I actually had this same conversation with uh, somebody about a week ago in terms of like how a lot of people start businesses backwards based on mm-hmm. like personal interests and passions versus really identifying where is the need in the marketplace and testing that need and providing value. So for me, mm-hmm. it was, um, I started designing, this was in college. I started designing because 
the church that I was a part of, it was a mega church and they didn't have any design team for the college ministry. So I was a youth, a student leader at the college ministry while I was at Georgia State. And we were doing a lot of events and doing things on campus and off campus, but there was no like personal team that was creating any visuals or graphics. So I basically just figured out how to design, started offering my service to the church and they became my first official like paying client. And that was when sort of like my whole design mm. started to take off and I got all these other churches and you know, it is what it is today. Um, but from that thing, um, moving forward, even to the, the building the web services company, just having so many of my clients saying, hey, I need this, 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 where I go and where do I go and get it? So I think just putting your ear out, like if there's a certain area of interest where your skill sets and passion and talents align, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. But it's important that the marketplace validates it by needing it, supply and demand. And yes. I think sometimes we build bigger than we've even like assessed the market. You know, I, mm. I have many clients that come to us with fourth park needing, they want websites and branding and all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, have you even validated this yet? Have you even just gone out and just asked people, do they need this? Have you even mm-hmm. tried to get customers to just see if there's a need for it, you know, and build off of your, build off of that demand that you can build over time versus spending a whole lot of money up front because you're passionate only to find out in the back end, nobody wants the product or nobody wants the yes. service. Um, so I, I think it's just like, you know, that's another area of just business acumen that we didn't get. You know, I didn't get. It was just trial and error learning like, oh, okay, it's not just pursuing my passion only. I got to understand what the marketplace is asking for and figure out how to meet that need and connect that dot. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that was, that is so good. Like, I love that because so many people are just like, like you said, they're driven by just their passion for wanting to do something and they never assess the market. And I think that's an advantage at like us being marketing people. We have that, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of people that are literally, they're just creatives at heart and they don't have yeah. any marketing knowledge. They just want to hop out there. And do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So another interesting thing you said was use my privilege. Now, that's something you often don't hear coming out of the mouths of black folks. You know, it's usually Mm -hmm. like white privilege. And I know Charlemagne, the God, kind of challenged that with his book, Black Privilege. So can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about your privilege as a black man? Yeah. So I, I was very much so aware when I was going to college. Like, I would even say these kind of things to myself. Like, man, I'm sitting in this dorm room. You know how many people wish, you know, you start to look at the statistics mm. of just the amount of poverty and lack of access and resources and the lack of economic structure for a lot of countries. People don't even have the platform or foundation in their nation or city to even pursue things like that because the infrastructure yes. is jacked up. So to have the ability to go off to college or to create something to have that free will to do that i definitely understood that as an american privilege like Mm. first of all being over here there's a privilege that i have access to to step out and do certain things and i Mm -hmm. took advantage of that and i think too leaning in a little bit with Charlemagne, you know i haven't read his book yet but i have heard him kind of talk about it but even in terms of like having black privilege that there are certain industries where we're not represented and Mm-hmm. There are customers there. There are people looking for solutions there. And at, instead of being on the consumer side, I'm looking at well, what is what is where is their need? You know, you got a lot of reason why I started an agency too is that there were a lot of black churches who were just like, we don't have anybody helping us with nothing related to design and marketing. We're just winging it. And then from mm-hmm. there, you evolve and you're learning. Like there's a lot of need to be met, and I can lean on my 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 race and my cultural background 
And it's another thing that I like about even Steve Stout, who like, you know, he did a lot of work in marketing and he's partially responsible for a lot of reasons why a lot of the celebrities that we know of have gotten into commercials over the last like 20 years. And he mm. was also really close to Jay-Z. And so he connected a lot of hip hop culture to like corporate America and structured a lot of deals because he was mm-hmm. able to figure out like there's a void here with getting our culture into the mainstream. Like, and he kind of yes. helped do that as a marketer. Um, so I knew even with my agency that there's a benefit to being black. There's a, a benefit to being millennial. You know, these mm-hmm. things are privileges of mine that I get to be young in America, black, like all these things. I'm going to leverage them as my power, you know, versus mm-hmm. using it or seeing it as a weakness. It becomes a benefit for me. And instead of looking at it from a standpoint of what I'm being kept away from or what somebody else is doing to hinder me, I'm choosing to identify where there's missed opportunity, you know, to be mm-hmm. brilliant and excellent and spending more time on that side of truly developing and building solutions. And the more I've spent my life in that space, the more confident I've become and the more I see, the more opportunities that I do see. Like I'm excited about the next 10, 20, 30 years, even in the midst of yes. the crazy chaos of what we're experiencing, because I yes. believe there are brilliant young black men and women stepping out on the scene who are taking ownership and taking their power back to develop and create new solutions. And that mm-hmm. excites me to be a part of this era and opening up those kind of doors. I do see that as part of my privilege, as part of my responsibility to not necessarily mm-hmm. just stay on the side of, of, of pointing the finger where it needs to be pointed. You know, they, this is very mm-hmm. true. There's some things that need to be pointed out that are totally structurally set up against us to keep us from advancing. But in the spaces mm-hmm. where we can occupy territory in advance, we had better be running, you know. So that's that's kind of what my mindset is at. Yes, I, you can't see me right now, but I'm like nodding my head like the church. Yes, amen. Because <laughs> you were preaching mm. for a moment there, like you, mm. you really are. Um, and even just like you said, the privilege of being a millennial, right? Like being a, a black youth at this time is way different than it was you know, 40 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and we have all this technology at our disposal yeah, and we have so many opportunities um, that our ancestors yeah. did not have. Uh, and another thing that you said, like you just came out the gate with so many keywords in that so first true. answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, passive income. So you talked a bit about passive income, and I know that goes into that whole idea of multiple streams of income. So we know how important it is to have that, but sometimes it seems like a lot to tackle. So can you talk a little bit about having multiple streams of income, passive income, and how you just go about establishing that for people who are trying to get off the ground? Yeah, so I... um, I definitely believe in the importance of building wealth and i also understand that there's a there's a short time frame that my physical body can run this race Mm. and get out here and collect these dollars and store them there's only so much i can do in Mm -hmm. a day over a lifetime and as i've learned more about the importance of building wealth i've actually um you know there's this whole movement going around called the fire movement um, I don't know if you heard about that. This whole like financial independence, retire early. Yes, yes, um, I'm familiar. Yeah, well, all these millennials are now like really taking over their financial lifestyles and building out a blueprint and a plan to accelerate retirement, where they can really free themselves up sooner rather than waiting till they're in their 60s, getting to mm-hmm. it in their 40s and 50s, and sometimes in their 30s by 
following a certain type of lifestyle in terms of how they manage their money and save and invest. So for me, I know that there's only a certain amount of vehicles I can get into, you know, to mm-hmm. build wealth. I, one is working a job, um, which is a way to to build wealth, you know, with your with your 401k savings and investment. But I wanted to do it from a standpoint of business because I saw so many other people who would create these different revenue streams. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, let me first start by figuring out how to take my design skills and turn this into a true profession of mine, taking this talent mm-hmm. and skill of mine and turn it into a profession, professionalizing my art is the way I would call it, is how I used to say it, professionalizing your art and finding a way to systematize it so I can get a level of clientele in. And once that started churning, it was then like, how do we scale this business model? How do we scale this? And that's just one revenue stream. How do I grow it? But then looking in that, what are these other opportunities to to have spinoff streams? And that's why I did the web services because it was right in sync with the first revenue stream. So even mm-hmm. I think sometimes people don't even realize like you could have a skill set in one thing. Like, okay, for example, my nephew, he's a fitness trainer um, and he had, he lives out in Las Vegas. He has a revenue stream where he just trains people. Like he, you know, he has clients that come in mm-hmm. and training them with fitness. But he recently just launched his own like apparel line where he has his own like he got shirts and the 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 um sports pants and the sports bag and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's opened up another stream, but it's within the same brand, but it's another stream. Yes. And so looking at ways to create different streams, that's one thing. And then how do we turn these streams into scenarios where it can work for you passively where you don't have to work for it? So for mm-hmm. me, like the web, the web services business is passive income because it's built on a subscription model where the customer yes. pays a monthly fee or a yearly fee. So even looking at that, like how do we set up these things that we can automate um, where the revenue can become passive? Real estate is another channel where that's, I mean, that's an old school passive income process, but mm-hmm. I'm even looking at how to innovate in that. Like what are the, the, the gaps in real estate right now? You got a lot of old school landlords who do, real estate the old school way. How do we, mm. how do I innovate and provide a better experience, better marketing? Um, you know, I'm studying co-living. How do you turn one property instead of renting out the whole property, rent it out by the rooms and you can go on mm-hmm. a higher return, a higher margin. So I've been studying like these different streams that I'm trying to create. How do I scale them and how do I set them up to where they can create passive income so that that money can then be stored for wealth purposes, you know, and eventually for freedom mm-hmm. purposes. Well, I don't necessarily have to work for any of the businesses I'm in. You know, I want to eventually step back from even operating and having to bring other people on to sort of operate the businesses. And I just kind of stay mm-hmm. in as a man- managing partner, which is why managing partner is the title I went with um, at the time. So it is a big deal for me because I don't think Revenue streams and passive income is a conversation that happens in a lot of households that I've been in. Like, it's just not something. Yeah. Like, most people are just trying to work their job. And it's like, you can literally work your job and have a side hustle that you start on the side, you know, and yes. set that up and figure out how that could be a, a way you can create passive income or you can dive into real estate. And then last thing I say is, you know, of course you have things like stocks and bonds. So I invest in the stock market. I actually own cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, you mm-hmm. know. I'm investing in that stuff. Uh, I bought Bitcoin back in 2000. 
13, I think. Um, I was going to ask you, when did you buy it? Because I know some people bought it early on and like didn't think it would take off and got rid of it and now they regret it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I bought mine in 2013. Like this was November 2013 when it was like $400. And I bought a few then and just sat on it. And I'm going to sit on it for another five to 10 years. I don't, I don't have a need for it, but just mm-hmm. even in that regard, like diving into, I don't necessarily do a lot of like get rich quick schemes. I don't necessarily be, believe in that kind of stuff, but just studying mm-hmm. like where trends going, where the market's going and putting a few dollars in to test something out, you know? So, you know, even investing in those kind of things, I know down the road, a few of them will hit bigger than others, but that will allow me to create a, a level of wealth where I can step back from the nine to five world and really dive into like, what is the greater work I want to do? Well, I don't have to be focused mm-hmm. on covering the bills. Like, I don't want to be spending my hours on bill payments, you know, and just trying mm-hmm. to survive in expense mode. Because that, to me, the, the, the freedom of time is the ultimate, one of the ultimate yes. types of wealth. And when you get your time back, mm-hmm. now you can really focus on how you want to really add value and enjoy life, you know, if that's also a thing. Some people just want to travel, you know. Um, I right. want to contribute to the Black community in a yes. lot of ways, you know. So I want to get myself free so that I can help other people get free. And then I want to go to Africa and invest in Africa. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a long, 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 long dream. But um, yeah. Okay. So you clearly, you have, you just like flow so smoothly through this. Like you were just raised this way. Did you just mm. grow up in a household like this? Or how did, how did you become like about this entrepreneur mentality, like you said earlier, so many of us don't have that influence growing up. We don't yeah. know about that. Like, how did you get into that? Wow. Wow. So that's interesting. So I, I didn't grow up in that kind of household. Matter of fact, it was kind of the opposite. You know, my family, we, we're heavily built on principles of family, love, respect, dignity. You know, we're Christian families, mm-hmm. um, really tight knit family. I love my family, you know. Um, um, but those like when it comes to like finance and wealth, assets and passive income, multiple streams, owning businesses, ownership, land, like those topics weren't at the dinner table because really mm. my family isn't necessarily entrepreneurial like that. So I specifically, and this was started off at high school, I specifically, I made an executive decision in my mind to pursue things that my family did not pursue because I wanted to one add that value back to my family. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. nobody's going to, we keep flipping the channel. We keep going past this, this one channel where this stuff is running across the screen at the bottom. Nobody mm-hmm. stops and look at that channel, it's CNBC. And I'm like, what is this? I literally, one day I remember sitting in the house, I went to the channel and I sat there and I'm like, what in the hell is this going on? I didn't know nothing about <laughs> stocks. I made myself learn. And as I started to get more educated and aware about it, um, I literally just started opening up myself to more, you know, influences and leaders in business and in um, um, just wealth and finance. I'm reading books mm-hmm. from Jim Cramer. I got hooked on Dave Ramsey. I was following Dave Ramsey's uh, financial peace uh, thing through college, like his whole baby steps. Stuff. So I just started like diving in heavily. Because at the center for this center at the center of this for me, I grew up in a family that didn't have ownership like that. Like my grandparents mm-hmm. owned their house. You know, other than that, nobody really was owning real estate. Nobody was owning business. Mm-hmm. Nobody was no, there was no sense of ownership. And then two, I saw how folks had to get up every day and work hard, you know, for their, mm-hmm. their money and their check. And 
it'd be difficult for them to really enjoy life. Like, you know, you could travel maybe once or twice a year if that, you know, I have family yeah. who've never been on a plane, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. like just seeing how much money limited experience and exposure to things and mm. it was always this like constant hurdle to get over. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I will run fast, get the information and come back. So mm. on a on a side note, literally right now, um, I started this thing in my family called a family business mastermind. I think every family needs a mastermind. Like mm. we should have, even if everybody's not in it, start it with a couple of people in the family and set a day and just start the conversations, even if it's around a book, like, hey guys, we're gonna focus on this. So right now it's about four of us in our family business mastermind. We're all in business. Some just started their businesses and we're all focusing on financial freedom. That's the center goal. And then we're mm-hmm. learning about all these different things around what to do with your 401k, Roth IAs, um, um, how to set up your savings, how to automate your savings, what your savings rate needs to be so that you're getting mm-hmm. on track to actually saving and investing right. Like we're talking about how to pay off debt fast using Dave Ramsey's model. Like we're diving into all these things, budgeting and all this kind of stuff, because I know it wasn't there prior to this. Like that just wasn't how we grew up. So I see an importance of at a family level, you almost have to create an environment where that can be had so that the children will grow up around that being a thing. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we talk about these things and now we know I'm not just in college spending all my money with credit cards because I grew mm-hmm. up learning, you know, um, but a lot of families right. didn't have that. So I had to kind of play catch up and get my own like masters in finance, if you will, just reading and <laughs> yeah. studying and reading and like, I'm going to figure this out because it's not going to be this curse over my family and other families. Um, mm-hmm. And the last thing I say too, is why, it's part of the reason why I, I, I started Spendify, you know, my former business partner. One reason why I mm-hmm. wanted to create Spendify because I wanted to get at the heartbeat of the power of the dollar and what your dollar can mm-hmm. do. You are conscious and awakened to your dollar, where it goes, mm-hmm. how you spend it, how you invest it, how you save it, how you leverage it to affect change in your community. Your dollar has power in the political room. How do we even use mm-hmm. our dollar by our own politics? Stuff we never talk about. Like, yes. for people, we're actually putting a dollar in to help endorse the campaign. So that yes. when we're behind it from the jump. Like, how do mm-hmm. we create a voter pack? And that's something Diddy is doing with the whole Our Black Party, this whole voter pack thing that we've never had. So I'm thinking, like, mm-hmm. I want to build a whole platform that could literally uplift the conscience of the dollar for our people, you know, help move do- green dollars into black hands. Um, so mm-hmm. I care about this economic agenda heavily. You know, I don't, I don't know if you ever heard of Dr. Claude Anderson, um, but he's a prolific mm-hmm. like uh, a scholar when it comes to studying economics and tracing economics throughout slavery all the way to now. Like he's an older guy mm-hmm. Power Nomics. That's a really good book. Everybody should get it, read it. And he breaks down these five yes. pillars that we have to climb to literally create economic uh, economic fortitude as a people. And uh, so that's that's what I'm on for myself, for my family, for my people, you know, across the entire global black diaspora. That's what I want to see happen. And if I could play any role in that, you know, that would be my gift to the world. I can get in the casket and go on to heaven. <laughs> yeah, that that is so important. And 
I'm glad to see that there is more of a movement towards that that is mm-hmm. uh, becoming more popular. I think there there's always been like a group that's always worked towards that, but now we're starting to see it trend and and become big and yeah. and people are really starting to think of ways that they can support black businesses and shop with black businesses. Um mm-hmm. so I I think that that's really important as far as like ownership and real estate. So I know earlier you talked about um you know, co-living spaces and shared spaces. And I know as of late, there's been a lot of discussion about if owning a home is still a wise decision. You know, like how do you determine if you should focus on owning a home versus like maybe opening a storefront if you're a business owner? You know, some people have suggested different forms of house hacking, like you kind of say, a more modern approach to real estate to save money. So what are your thoughts on home ownership and home ownership relate in relation to like being a business owner and, you know, house hacking and other ways that people are trying to go about making sure that they're making an investment when they're owning property. Yeah. I think um, I literally was messaging a friend of mine about this in Instagram. We were messaging literally, I think two nights ago about this. Um, I, I'm not necessarily against like owning your own house that you live in. I do know there's studies that show that, for families that own their home, they are more likely to build wealth because their house literally becomes like a central part of their wealth over time. And I think mm-hmm. at the at the general basis, for those who aren't necessarily as entrepreneurial and aren't necessarily going to be building businesses, doing all this stuff, and for those who aren't necessarily interested in investing in real estate and like doing the whole real estate thing like that, I do think it is... Uh, uh, wise to have assets and where can you position yourself to create assets and have assets and you know one of them is you know owning a home and eventually I mean when you buy a house it's not an asset it's a liability it's a massive debt that the mortgage company yes. really owns and you're buying back that you're buying that house to yourself month over month over mm-hmm. 15 to 30 years um so I, I get it I think it is worth that to buy a home for yourself if you aren't planning on going into business or doing real estate investment. But if you are planning on going into business and doing real estate investment, I think it's better to um, actually to rent um, and Mm. use your, your credit line and your credit to purchase rental property. So like, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, I was approved for up to like $250,000 uh, worth of credit for to buy a house. What I did instead of buying a house for me, I took that and am purchasing several houses in my hometown. These houses are like you know forty to sixty thousand dollars a house, three bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, three bedroom, one bath. So instead of me tying up that, you know, you know that margin of debt for me to just live in a house and be paying back a loan myself, I mm-hmm. use that to purchase rental properties. And then create income. And this is based on if you read the, you know, the uh, Robert Kiyosaki books like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. He, yeah. he has another really good book called Cash Flow Quadrant. Where he talks mm-hmm. about like positioning your mindset around what are you going to do with your money? How are you going to position yourself from employee to investor? You know, mm-hmm. um, it made sense for me to tie that money up in investments, create new passive income. And then still, mm-hmm. I can always buy a house. And what my thought is. I can buy a house later and really get something I really like and my passive income mm-hmm. pays that mortgage that I live exactly. in. Exactly. 
yeah. versus me trying to tie up my, you know, credit line and whatever and my and my income to pay for a house. And then, of course, you have all these things that happen when you own property. You got to take care of it. You know, I mm-hmm. know people who've gone upside down on that house. Um, yeah. So I think it's smarter if you feel like you have that entrepreneurial tick or that investor tick to use that that credit and that time to build that. You know, I'm not necessarily all for taking out a, a line of credit to start a business, but I do mm-hmm. know if you test it, if you test, like I would test it on a shoestring budget, test the business model on a shoestring budget until you mm-hmm. can get a viable amount of customers where it makes sense. To like, okay, now I need to get a loan because I want to scale or I need to set this thing up properly. Like, you know, when I, and I say this too, when I first started my first business, I didn't have an LLC. I didn't have a business mm-hmm. plan. I just had, I just knew some folk that needed some, some logos and flyers. And I was <laughs> just like, let me first satisfy this need and learn. So I just started creating me a little business card. People don't realize how easy it is to start. A mm-hmm. lot of service-based businesses, people try to get in things sometimes with so much money up front, but a lot of times it's not even necessarily as difficult for most service-based businesses to get started right. or even to get a list of customers. You can get a list of customers and not have nothing together. Like people who are like, I'm willing mm-hmm. to pay. I'll pay, you know, customers will pay up front just to secure, you know, their purchase mm-hmm. or their order or whatever. Um, I think lean in that regard and then maybe getting a, a line of credit or business loan if you need that to finance the scaling of the business. Um, but that's what I would say. Um, so I'm waiting to buy my house later, um, because Mm -hmm. it's not a need right now for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I understand that. Um, I've been, I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole of, hole of, uh, house hacking lately. So (laughs) I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a smart way to, um, invest into a house. Cause I'll admit for a while I was on that, like anti buy a house strain. I was like, that is not a good decision, you know. Mm. I, you know, it's like that. I don't think that's a, that's going to be a good strategy because it's just not immediate enough of an investment for me, you know. So mm. I was just like, and you know, I got, I have, as you said earlier, I got to run fast. I have things to do. I don't need to be like seventy just now owning my house, like, I, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that professionally. Um. So speaking on business owners and, you know, just like you said, some of these things people assume about starting a business that aren't necessarily true. Can you talk a little bit about what the business essentials are that you think are most often overlooked in the black community and what strategies do you suggest to address those? Mm, Yeah, that's a, let me think. Uh, One thing I, I think just bringing it back up is, um, one thing I think that's uh, missed is we we tend to glorify the aesthetics of business hmm. and how how it looks from what we see other people doing, and so we think that we need these amazing looking you know websites and branding and all this stuff. So people, I've just many people spend money on things that aren't essential to mm-hmm. starting you know a business. And at the end of the day, the the centerpiece of it is, one, is there demand for something? Do I have Mm -hmm. a way to supply that demand? And can I charge for it? And will they pay? And like, Mm -hmm. if I can connect that, that just basic foundation of supply and demand, if I can get somebody to pay for what I can supply, 
based on their need for it, then I'm all, I'm in business, you know, and you can do that at a very grassroots level um, of just testing, testing it out. And I think testing is another essential part. Um, mm-hmm. Like you got, I was telling like, even with my, uh, with my cousin, um, he's in our family business mastermind. He just started, he actually has two mm-hmm. businesses that he's testing out right now. And with the second one, you know, we were just talking about like, Hey, you know, for the type of services that he's offering, it may appeal more to college students. So you're in Albany, Albany State is there, figure out how to get in front of college students. Now that becomes a thing of whether you're use social media, are you gonna get on campus? Are you gonna mm-hmm. try word of mouth? But you don't have to go spend all this money trying to build this big thing versus let me get out in front of these people and see if I can get some level of interest from people or even potentially people who are willing to pay for this. Mm-hmm. I think testing is essential um, for that. Another thing that I think is missed heavily is, you know, when you don't know um, something, you don't have to spend so much time in ignorance when there are plenty of people out here who could give you that next insight. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I want to push back on this whole mentor thing because everybody's like, you need mentors. To be honest, most folks don't have time to be your mentor, like mm-hmm. hands on. What I did, instead of trying to have mentors, I looked for people who had the next answer that I needed. Like, I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. this out. I need to throw this up on the wall with somebody. So what I would do, I would reach out to people, folks I didn't know, people I kind of knew, folks, you know, um, I could ask somebody, hey, do you know anyone? And just, hey, man, I need 30 minutes of your time. I have this question. And next thing you know, most people feel comfortable giving away 15 to 30 minutes of their time to talk. And yeah. when people feel like they've helped out and it's like, okay, let me update this person, man. Thank you for your advice. This is what I did. You know, is it okay if I, if I needed any other advice, is it okay if I reach back out and always mm. say yes. So it ain't necessarily that people, I don't have mentors. I used to feel like that. And then I realized mm. I was looking at it wrong. Like I don't necessarily mm. need somebody to walk hand to hand with me throughout it all. I just mm-hmm. need that next roadblock, that next, you know, obstacle or hurdle addressed. And it just depends on who that person is. Like, for example, even in real estate, uh, one of my um, my cousins, he's a he's a doctor and he, here in Atlanta. He invests in property and found out. I didn't even know this. I found this out at the family reunion. And I immediately like, hey, cuz I get your phone number. If I got any questions, can I call? He's like, sure. Mm-hmm. And I would just hit him up with every every time I had a question, I could either shoot it to him or hop on a call. I got so far ahead in my real estate journey. Not because mm. I read a bunch of books and did a bunch of stuff online, but because I got in close proximity to somebody who was already doing it. And mm-hmm. I didn't blow up their phone and try to make them a mentor and pull on hours of their lives. It was just these short conversations that helped me take my next step, ask my next question. And if you can find a mentor that's willing to be very hands-on and involved, that's a blessing. But a lot of times it's hard yes. to find that. And I think people don't lean on that almost like, I don't even know what you call semi-mentor kind of scenario to like, mm-hmm. you have to figure it all out by yourself. Um, another thing I think that is um, uh, sort of like missed in this whole business, this business process is I was talking about the mastermind thing. So this mastermind mm-hmm. concept, I, I have another mastermind that's me and four other guys. These are like peers of mine and we're all, you know, businessmen were all trying to build wealth, trying to get the financial freedom. Like, we're, you know, five black brothers just moving forward and we meet every week. And that has helped me sort of refine and clean up 
things in my businesses and and have a sense of accountability because I think people mm. don't realize how much time they actually are wasting. Like we mm. think that we're working on our businesses and we might be doing ten hours of really just scrolling through social media. And mm. and if you audit a person's day or week, most of us aren't really even maximizing our day. We're not necessarily efficiently living life anyway. And mm. when you look at a person trying to start a business, we have no no way to assess our time. Like, how do I even know if I'm even spending my time right today? Like, no wonder yes. it takes me 17 months to figure out something that could take me 17 hours because I'm lazy in one regard. I got other stuff going on. I'm distracted. And nobody's holding me accountable. And mm. having a mastermind has been essential because I got to check in with these guys every week. And I got to give a report on, like, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. sometimes I go to them for insight you know, and advice. Um, so those are things that I would say, you know, if I were to look at on top of my head, which would be things I feel like people miss in, in trying to start in business or grow in business. Yeah, I, I really think the whole mastermind thing is super important in having someone or, in, or multiple people to hold you accountable. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of times, like you said, when you're siloed as a business owner, you get into your own bubble and then you're like, oh, I'm marketing and you're browsing social for however long, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, having someone who can hold you accountable um, is something that is much needed, especially for any goals, but especially in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk you talk a lot about Black wealth and uh, I'm sure you've heard, but lately pop culture has been highlighting Black Wall Street, um, and we're even starting to see it in shows now, right? Like um, Lovecraft Country and um, what is it? The Watchmen, you know, talk as we approach the Black Wall Street 100 year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. So mm-hmm. on that, do you think it's possible to rebuild Black Wall Street? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, I uh, I do think it's possible to build um, Black Wall Street's I think there are, I think what it looks like today is, I think there's a digital Black Wall Street that Hmm. can be built and sort of is being built um, Mm -hmm. in some regard, because I feel like people are connecting online in ways, and a lot of folks are running their businesses online. They don't necessarily have a brick and mortar store, um, and folks are finding ways to partner up and create their own like mastermind or groups or networks. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a part of several like Facebook groups where many businesses are connected and folks share and seeing people shop and, you know, amongst each other. Um, so I think there's a digital Black Wall Street. Um, that's kind of what I want to help Spinify become, if you will, like, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of digital version of where people can come and this is where they shop. This is where they get all their stuff from, you know, and folks have a sense of, of connectivity to the businesses that they spend with. You know, even potentially investing mm-hmm. in those businesses and having some kind of equity in those businesses um, through crowdfunding. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like physical locations, I definitely think there is great opportunity for redefining Black communities. We are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yes. this whole buying back the block thing is extremely exciting to me because. I know there's a group of people in Georgia that are, this article was going around. We posted about it on our Spinify blog too, but just there's this, this, this group of people, I think it was like 19 families that have gotten together and have bought this land and they're finna develop this land and create their, like a new black wall street, if you will, of mm. residential and commercial uh, properties and just families who've gotten in and said, we're going to commit to this. We're going to live here. 
I want to see that model play out. Like I may want to mm-hmm. move there or invest there, buy properties there and own some property. Like it's possible. I think um, there just has to be just controlled examples of it being tested. And I feel like that group is doing a good mm-hmm. job of it. Um, I feel like, uh, um, I mean, there's some other things that are happening um, in different communities where people are starting to get more invested in their community specifically buying their property in these areas, like basically gentrifying our own community yes. and getting involved in the political infrastructure of our community, how things are set up, how we're governing ourselves and eventually bringing businesses into those spaces as well. So I think, I think that there's a, a, a time coming where we will start seeing these, you know, maybe they, maybe there'll be towns at some point, but at least like these neighborhoods, where we're living and we are business owners, whether or not, I think the days of it being all brick and mortar, that may not necessarily be the full picture. You know, mm-hmm. these people may be living in these communities and some may actually have physical locations in that community, but many mm-hmm. may have their businesses online, but they right. all know each other. They all shop. I'm ordering my groceries uh, or my, my fresh vegetables and, and whatever from a local, local farmer's market but I'm ordering mm-hmm. it online. It's a subscription. It's getting delivered to my house. And everybody in the community does that. Like things like mm-hmm. that. I think we're going to start seeing things like that. This is where I get my makeup from. This is where I get my vitamins from. This is where I get my deodorant from. And these are, you know, mm-hmm. companies that are in the same community or they're, they're connected through an online network. And I, I think the future version of Black Wall Street is going to be more distributed and harder to destroy. Mm. knock down bricks and wood but you can't necessarily knock down uh, a vibration you know we all on that same wavelength you can't you can't untether that you know so I think we're starting to step into that in a way that is exciting to me and I think this in some we fast forward some years from now I think we will find ourselves stepping across the ocean and connecting to our African brothers and sisters in other parts of the world and finding Mm. out how to connect with them, not just on a consumer level, but on a on full distribution level. Like there are black manufacturers around the world that mm-hmm. we don't necessarily connect with. You can literally be involved in an entire vertical in an industry that can be all black. Where you get your actual raw materials and raw goods from can be from the hands of black people, but we're not mm-hmm. connected across the borders like that. And I think that's another opportunity that technology will help to inform in the years to come. Now, that that is so important. I had another guest on the show earlier and we talked about Black Wall Street. And one thing that we did talk about is how difficult it is to like have a business that is like completely black from point A to point B. Like you say, your distributor may not be a black owned business, you know. Mm-hmm. So but if we get to the point where we're connecting globally and technology yeah. has empowered us to do that and technology definitely makes us infallible compared to what we were facing 100 years ago being brick and mortar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing that you said you said several times is like testing a business idea, testing like this uh, Black Wall Street model uh, for the community with the, the 19 families. Can you talk a little bit about what does testing in business look like? Um, I think uh, when I say testing, I'm, I'm thinking about it from like in the startup world, um, you have this whole like concept. I mean, it's been around this whole concept of like the lean startup 
And there's, yeah. I mean, there's a book written on it. There's like, it's like yes. a philosophy uh, mm-hmm. behind it. And uh, that approach of getting to like an MVP, like a minimal viable product, mm-hmm. getting to a state where you have something in hand or something packaged together that you can actually offer. And for some people, it may just be, hey, I'm a hairstylist. I know how to do hair. I already have the skill. So I'm already ready. Like I am the minimal vibe product. I need mm-hmm. to then maybe iron out, you know, my pricing and how I'm going to deliver the service. And then from there, let me go out and try to get a customer. And I think that kind of um, approach to testing is 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 capable across the board. It, I know it started in the whole tech world, but you can do that regardless of whatever business you're in. Like, what's your minimal viable product? Viable product? Like, what is mm-hmm. the what what are the key things that you can get at the at the simplest level to get out in front of a customer and present? You know, and mm-hmm. if you're at a point where you can actually present and actually transact with that presentation, actually do that transaction, and it can be, you know, something as simple as, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up, a, 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 a spin up a, a, a quick visual of a t-shirt that I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make. I don't even have the store set up. I'm just gonna spin up mm-hmm. a shirt, put it out there, and do pre-orders. Pre-orders mm-hmm. is a great way for product-based businesses to just test. Can you get some mm-hmm. pre-orders in? You know, that's that is ultimately what Kickstarter is about. Kickstarter mm-hmm. is a lot of that is we raising money on pre-orders. Like right. we don't have we don't even have it together yet. And we raising all this money on that. It's it's basically being your own like micro Kickstarter mm-hmm. by going about it in a very lean way where you can test the market. And testing is ultimately trying to find that repeatable and scalable business model. That's ultimately mm-hmm. what uh, lean startup is that that's their definition of a startup is your mm-hmm. pursuit to find a repeatable and scalable business model. Can I do this same transaction again and again and again? And if I can, how can I scale it? And then ultimately you're really in business and operating, but making your business efficient over time, that's where you're like doing the harder work of setting up the operations and the LLCs and all those mm-hmm. other components that really helps to professionalize the business and make it stand out. But on day one, you don't have to do all that professionalizing on day one. It's more of just, I need to get out here with an MVP that I can test and see, can I get some kind of feedback from the customer or transaction from the customer? And let me repeat Mm -hmm. that and do that enough times where it validates that I'm ready to move forward. And and you can decide what that test looks like. You can say, I want to run a test for a month, for, you know, a week, um, Mm -hmm. for 90 days, however long you want to set your test. And whatever the, uh, uh, I guess, end goal objective is at the end, I want, I need to get 10 paying customers before I can say this thing is actually working. Or I need to get, mm-hmm. you know, 100 people to respond to this thing and give me feedback. Or whatever it is, whatever you want to be your test, you can define it. But though, literally testing in startup world is part of the reason why some of the companies we know and love still exist. Because they literally mm-hmm. are in test mode all the time. They're throwing things at us, trying to get a feel of yes. beta testing, just beta testing it out, seeing how it mm-hmm. works. Um, even with Spendify, our site now is still in beta test. You go to Spendify.com, it says mm-hmm. Spendify beta. It's still in test mode. We're still trying to understand, you know, um, before we throw all this money and all this other stuff into it later on, because I'm, I'm planning to build out uh, application and all this other stuff with our developers. So we've been in test mm-hmm. mode for years. Um and I think testing 
shit be way more sexier than it is in business. Like if you become a, <laughs> a, an amazing tester, you can spit up all kinds of business ventures. You just test yeah. it. Let me test to see. Let me test. Man, this thing made me a hundred thousand dollars in, in a month. This is the, the way to go. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm testing. Like become a become a tester first before trying to be this CEO, businessman, woman, boss, all these words that make us feel good. Like become an excellent <laughs> tester. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Tester needs to become a, a sexier word that needs to be on shirts. Tester. Instead of just like yeah. boss. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> so you've mentioned a lot of books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and most recently Lean Startup. What's your current read, a recommended read, or a most recent read? Ooh. Um, my my current read right now is uh Atomic Habits. Um heard of that one. Yeah, this book is really, really, really good. Um I have it on Audible and I'm still trying to get through it. But he just kind of he mm-hmm. breaks down on how to properly develop the right type of habits and how to become like efficient in developing and creating good habits and mm-hmm. how those habits inform really the outcomes of your life. You know, and he basically kind of defines how a lot of where we are and what we're doing is based on these habits we've created, based on the environment we've come from. So that's a that's a really good book um, that I'm going through and will try to it into my personal life and professional life. Um, a book that I am, uh, I haven't started on it yet that I'm going to be reading um, next is this book by Chris Hogan um, called Everyday Millionaire. He's on mm. his team and they have officially done the biggest study of millionaires in the United States and wow. wrote, wrote an entire book on it. He even has a, a, the actual study um, that they did, that they conducted the research that they conducted in a separate book. And I bought both of them and I'm going to read that. And, um, and, um, it's similar to the, it, it's similar from the book years ago, uh, Millionaire Next Door. Cause that was, a big I, I love that one. Yeah. It's sort of like a modern day version of that. Um, mm-hmm. with newer stats and all that kind of stuff based on present 20, 20th, 21st century, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and, what was the other one? What was the other question? What was that? I was just saying either one, but you've already dropped so many books. Uh, current read, recommended, or most recent? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would, uh, yeah, I think that that's what I would, I would say, rec- as far as recommended read, though, I would recommend uh, that people pick up, if, you, if you're a person of color, you should pick up Powernomics because I think you should, people mm. need to know because everybody's like, what's the black agenda? Wait, you know, how do we fix this? We don't, everybody's just yeah. trying to figure it out. And Dr. Claw has kind of put it together and it's been out and folks need to like dive in. So I would say Powernomics. And for just the person who's trying to develop that entrepreneurial mindset and maybe you work in a job, you're trying to transition out, you just want to really work on that mindset, I would recommend both either or of, of Robert Kiyosaki's book, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad one, which mm-hmm. is a classic. And the cash flow quadrant one, uh, which mm-hmm. is really good on just understanding the different mindsets of of business. Yeah. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you can actually find that one free on YouTube, y'all. So check that out. I will leave the link in the show notes because I bought the physical copy, lost it um, and wanted to do another read. So I, I found it on YouTube for free. Just saying. I know we should we should support, you know, creative work and whatever, but you know, it's out there. It's free. 
<laughs> All right, so as we get ready to wrap up, um, I know you already sp- spoke on this a lot, but um, how do you think, in summary, your work overall impacts the Black community? I think uh, my work is in service to I, everything that I've created is because I'm trying to almost as best I can get underneath like I want to get underneath the feet of black business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders and black you know brilliance and be a better step up whether it whether it's Mm. building your brand your website helping you with strategy or helping you figure out your finances I've met with so many of my peers to just sit down and talk about their money and investments and what are they doing like any step of the way that I can be of service to like I want to help be a part of the ocean tide that lifts up all black ships that's what I care about that's mm. what the is about that's part of the reason why I'm in real estate you know of course I want to make money and build wealth but everything I'm doing is in service too I bought I specifically went back to my hometown and bought property on the same side of town both of my grandparents houses are you know, on the mm. south side I wanted to invest back into my hometown I wanted to provide housing to Albany State students. I wanted to get back in my city and eventually get involved in politics in my city to figure out how I can help connect dots and add more value. So everything that I'm doing is sort of like, I want to help create Wakanda, for real. Like yes. as many Wakandas as possible. I saw Black yes. Panther and my life changed because I saw what we could <laughs> look like had we not been touched by our oppressors, what we could have been. Mm. And part mm. of me wants to manifest that. like. I don't mm-hmm. care what we've been through. I want to live in a vibration untamed, untainted, like and untamed. Mm-hmm. I want to manifest that brilliant Africa that we truly are representative of, representatives of. And that excites me. So I, my end goal is that, you know, I would love to say that whatever I've built has advanced and helped black businesses go further, faster, um, has helped to put green dollars into black hands and mm-hmm. has helped to connect black economics across the entire global black diaspora. Like that, those three things would serve my soul, you know, um, as a black man in society. Yes. Yes. You just, you just spoke so much power and black Panther was, is, is mm. such an important film for us rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman Mm -hmm. what a beautiful spirit to leave us so early um and now lastly uh before we get to how to keep up with you what final advice do you have for aspiring black professionals who are looking to be serial entrepreneurs Ooh, uh I would say man it's so much, but I would I would I would narrow it down and say I think um, the three M's. Um, I actually wrote this down. I was gonna be like a whole talk on this, but I still am one day. But these three M's, which yeah, is we mindset. need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mindset, mentor, and mastermind. Um, mm-hmm. Diving in those three things, and the first thing is developing and cultivating your mindset. So. The, some of the books that I named, like, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Mm. Whether it's in the car or in the house, how are you massaging and lotioning this into your mind 
around mm. building yourself as a businessman, businesswoman. How are you, what are you studying? What are you looking at? What YouTube videos are you watching? What YouTube channels do you subscribe to? What podcasts are you mm-hmm. subscribing to? Because you have to surround your mind. You, ha- you got to treat your mind as an environment. You got to feed mm. that environment. You got to place things in that environment that can occupy your mind so that you can be learning and developing on a regular basis. Second thing is, who are your mentors? Or as I would say, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, semi-mentors. Who are the people that you can get in reach of or connect to that you may or may not know, or you can find through, you know, through word of mouth or somebody that you may know of um, that you can get access to them to throw those most immediate hurdles and questions in front of um, who are those people and getting in front of those people over a call, over a Zoom um, to get those questions answered because you don't have to spin wheels all day if there are people around you who can provide insight. Maybe they can't mentor you, but they can semi-mentor. They can give you 15 minutes of their time every mm-hmm. now and then. Or you throw a text message to them and they just give you the answer in a text or email. Get comfortable with that type of people around you. You need people around your mindset. And around your mentors, you need a mastermind. Who do you know, whether it's one friend or one person, maybe they're not physically in your city or where you are, maybe somebody online you plug into. My mastermind, mm-hmm. we're spread out between Atlanta and Tallahassee, and we don't meet physically. Oh, wow. You know, we meet virtually on video on Google Meet every mm-hmm. every Monday night. And so you don't even have to physically be in the same place. It's COVID. So I understand it's hard to do anyway. So get it, get a mastermind together with one or two people, three or four people, you know, that are all committed to moving forward together and just start meeting weekly and talking about it. You can research how to start a mastermind and how to structure it. You can figure that out on your own. But just start that process of having these conversations, talking about your mentors and your mindset with your mastermind. And if Mm -hmm. you can set that infrastructure up around you, a year from now, you're going to be way further than what you thought you would be if you just did it on your own. Like, it matters. I would say mindset, mentor, and mastermind would be my advice. Yes, those three M's. And I would definitely have those documented and noted in the show notes because I know people are like, man, I can't write that right now. But I got you. (laughs) All right. So how can people find you to keep pace with your entrepreneurial journey online? Yeah, so you can find me personally. um, I'm Antoine Davis. So I'm I'm Antoine Davis on everything. Um, All social networks is A-N-T-W-O-N. D-A-V-I-S. So you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatnot. You can also go to my personal website um, at AntoineDavis.com. And from there, you can see all of the businesses that I own. I have all of my like business ventures all kind of case study out on my personal website. Um, so AntoineDavis.com. And then if you want to reach me directly, um, you can shoot me an email at um, AntoineDavis01 at gmail.com. That's AntoineDavis01 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time. Like, I feel like this whole episode could turn into a series because you just covered mm-hmm. so much important information. That may be a note. You may need to like go back in and re-listen to this and make a whole series, make a course, sell it, passive income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. <laughs> Really, really. Somebody will will definitely pay for your expertise and to get to where you are. And I know that somebody's listening to this right now and they will be reaching out because you you need people who have this knowledge, people who are about the same business 
and have yeah. the same mentality of building our community. Yeah, you're right. So right. Yeah, but thanks for again for agreeing to be on the show. Oh yeah, thank you. I definitely appreciate this. You have no idea how much it meant. I know we, you know, met on social media, but I'm I'm glad that you're doing this. I think this is important. I think the conversation is important. I think the questions were great, you know, so I definitely (laughs) will be referring other people to come on as well. I am so grateful that I was able to have that conversation with Antoine. I've been sitting on that interview for a while, and that's because I wanted to say that to close out the interview season of Black Executive because Antoine literally gave us an entire course in a one hour episode. I would definitely advise you to go back and listen to this episode again, take notes, visit blackexecutive.com, dig into the show notes. The transcript will be up as well so that you can check that out. Make sure that you spend some time with what this man has said because he spoke so many powerful words. So as usual, and for the final time this season, I'm going to hit you with five key takeaways. Number one, assess the market and need find. Test out business ideas on the market on a small scale before investing too much into a business idea. Antoine spoke about assessing the basics of supply and demand. Is there a demand for something? Do I have a way to supply that demand? Can I charge for it? Will people pay me? Just that simple. And you would be surprised how often people don't ask those questions before they start investing hundreds, thousands of dollars into these businesses. Number two, embrace your American privilege and take advantage of black privilege in markets where our representation is minimal or in sectors that are largely not dominated by majority culture because they're not in our community. They don't know we need these services. Take advantage of that. That is the perfect and prime space for Black business owners to come in and serve Black communities and circulate the Black dollar. Number three, maximize your input and output while you're in your prime of wealth building. Truth of the matter is, a lot of us are not going to be young spring chickens forever. I do know my demographic for this show. And we're looking at a lot of millennials. So um, even if you're just outside of the millennials, still know that if you're listening to this, you're probably in your prime of your wealth building. Take advantage of it. Run, 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 run until you cannot run anymore. Number four, stop looking for mentors and look for someone who can help you address your next roadblock. That was a really interesting point that Antoine made. And I love that he talked about how important it is to get close in proximity to someone who's already been doing what you're doing and figure out how they can help you get to the next step or answer your next question. And that's a practical approach, almost like a a modern day, short term apprenticeship approach without the money, but they're giving you knowledge, which is just as valuable. So that's a great gem to take away from this if nothing else if you don't have time to work with a mentor or if a mentor doesn't have time to work with you definitely take advantage of that and number five there are several ways to build wealth we've talked about that already i think if you're listening to this episode to this podcast you know there are several ways to build wealth if not Literally listen to each episode and you can hear how each of these entrepreneurs and corporate professionals have learned how to build wealth 
both in their career and in their businesses. Antoine spoke about the three primary ways of working a job, building a business, or investing. Regardless of which path you choose, remember one of the most important things that he mentioned, the freedom of time is invaluable. Of those three options, how can you maximize your time? We know working a job, trading, physical labor, mental labor for uh, an hourly or, or if your salary, you know, monetary wage versus building a business that you operate on your own time or for a short amount of time throughout the week um, or in just in time intervals that work for you. And then also investing and having other sources of income passively coming in. You don't have to actively trade labor to get That's it. Those are my five key takeaways for this episode. Please, please, please leave me a review. It is the holiday season. If you have listened to any episode of this podcast, especially if you've listened to several, like, come on now, we're fam, y'all. So go ahead and go to Apple Podcasts. Leave your girl a review. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like. You know, you can always email me at jazz, J-A-S, at blackexecutive.com. And I'll be more than happy to respond, reach out to you. So leave a review. And lastly, this will be the final interview episode of Black Executive for season one. Next week, I will have my final episode of the entire season. And it will be a bit of a recap in combination with some information on what to expect in season two when we return in January. So make sure you stay tuned and tune in one more time before we're out for the holiday season. You go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on social media platforms and share it with a friend and leave your girl a review. That's my Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Very flossy boat. I just love the season. <laughs> it's been real, y'all. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire. Thanks for listening to another episode of Black Executive. If you enjoyed listening in on this convo, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Executive. Have something to add to the conversation? Visit BlackExecutive.com to leave feedback, and your thoughts could be featured on a later episode. While you're there, pick up your exclusive Black Executive gear and rep the culture. And spread the knowledge. If you know a Black creative trying to go pro, a corporate mogul looking to advance, or a cousin that's always hustling but never gets an idea going, drop them a link to the show. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire.